for quite a long time I was looking for answers from other people when really it's about trusting who you are and you know speaking your truth when I was speaking it it wasn't landing in the way that I expected so it wasn't generating business so then I was looking for answers but if I'd have gone back and just really stood in and honored it and valued it I think it would have been a different story that's Carrie Eddins results focused PR expert with a heart of gold It is this seemingly opposing identity that has always interested me about Carrie's work. She holds both spaces so beautifully. Carrie is intuitive and is able to reach into people's hearts and feel what they are feeling. She knows if they are speaking truthfully or not. It is another side of PR that I wanted to share with you today on this podcast. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. I want to share with you a story from when I was a teenager. And it's this lovely, you know, the way when you're a teenager and you're in secondary school and you go on these retreats, you know, to find your inner whatever. (laughs) And at the end of it, this teacher, and it's really awful because I can't remember her name, but this teacher wrote a note for everyone in the class, a personal note. It always kind of stuck with me. And she wrote this lovely piece for me and I've never, ever forgotten it. But Every time I think about you, I think of this, these words, and they're actually the words used to describe me at the time. <laughs> but I think of them whenever I think of you. Would you like me to share that with you? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> You've got me intrigued, but moved at the same time without knowing why. <laughs> <laughs> it's really awful. No, it's not. <laughs> so she said, a sparkle, a volcano, a bubble, a squeak. Wow. Gosh. And I always think of you as something brilliant and something that's bubbling and f- overflowing with just good vibes. I just love that essence of you when I come across you. And I love that. And I'm, and I'm reminded of it when I go to your website. And I have to share this with people, which is this one uh, sentence that describes you. Okay, and it's and so just for everybody here. So Carrie Eddins is a wonderful person in the PR space who's moving into another one at the moment, but known for PR. Right. We'll talk about more in a second. But this must be the best way of explaining PR in the most positive and constructive way. And I'd love people to think of PR like this. And as she says, right, with her lovely wordsmithing, and I love wordsmithing. And she says, now she gets paid to reach into people's hearts for a living and to help people to express themselves fully and share their hearts with the world through their business. She gets paid to reach into people's hearts for a living. That's just, oh, love it. Oh, you're making me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, tick. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even started. I'm like, okay. (laughs) 
just love that because it's such a rare thing to find this beauty in people that just bubbles out. That's what I mean by bubbles. So, so there you go. <laughs> you left me speechless. I'm like, okay. Okay, I got to give you a way in now. <laughs> so the way in is this, that you told me this lovely story uh, when we were preparing for this podcast. And it was the story of Carrie has this great name for her business and she calls herself the Blondepreneur. And I would love, if you're OK with it, to share with everybody that little story that you told me last week. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I think it was probably around the mid um, noughties. I started doing online networking. So in like yeah. Google groups, this was like pre-Twitter and things like that. And so um, I was go I was going to some networking groups and it, it was really like, it was quite painful to be fair. It was like <laughs> men in, white men in suits really. And because I live in quite a conservative area in Worcestershire. So it was kind of, you know, bless their hearts, but it was like, they just couldn't sort of process me. So I'd, I'd rock up to these meetings and they were like, you know, who are you? What do you do? And all this kind of stuff. And, Sometimes, because my dyslexia manifests, sometimes I have a short-term memory problem. So, like, they'd like, introduce themselves, and I'd just completely forget, like, what my what my name was, what I did, who they were, and it and it got to a point where I was just I, I felt like I was being shamed by some of these people, even you know, overtly, covertly. It was kind of like they just couldn't get over that I couldn't remember these things. So, one morning after it must have been after it must have been after two thousand and six because. I'd been up on Twitter all night, like really like just going for it. I was a real early adopter of Twitter. And I rocked up to this meeting like, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm, I've never been a morning person. I'm still not, to be fair. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so there we were like, and you have your like 30 second or 60 second like elevator 60 pitch, seconds. don't you? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then this guy goes, right, sure to carry, you know. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a bit blundered out. Um, I've been up tweeting all night. Um, yeah, I'm the blondepreneur. I'm... I'm entrepreneurial, but very blonde, no question too blonde. And they all just like nearly spat their tea out. It just sort of <laughs> fell out of my brain. And like, they were like- I love oh. that though. The fact that you would be ballsy enough to say no question too blonde. No question too blonde. They literally couldn't cope with that either. They were like, and they're like, what do you do now? And then I just kind of, I was like, well, you know, cause this is when I was doing content marketing, I help people create content that creates emotional connection. And at the mm. time, people just didn't connect with it. But I didn't really care because I was like, oh, Blumpreneur, that sounds, that for me was yeah, like. But hey, let's rewind a bit. You yeah. did content that at that time, just at the very start of Twitter, that creates an emotional connection. That's, we're only talking about that stuff nowadays. I know. Well, because I, I used to, I was really like, um, I used to do a lot of tweet ups and I, I just, I just got really fed up with that. They were all massively just into metrics and data. And yeah. I flippantly said, like, content without connection is like tea without cake. And I yeah. literally got, like, I don't say shame is not the right word, but nobody agreed with me. There was hardly anybody. And, you know, like, at that time, 90% of the men, 90% were men on, on it. And they were just like, eh, that's ridiculous. And there was a few women going, no, that's really good. But um, I yeah. didn't get, like, slammed basically but now really? it's only starting to be like acknowledged but um and how did they slam you how were you they were like shamed? oh no that's not they were just kind of like just dismissing what i was saying like on tweets and just kind of like oh you're 
And I think for me at the time, I was quite nervous about my ideas, so I didn't really value them. So I yeah. was, we were, were all like kind of, we were really like the blonde leading the blonde in this kind of, on the Twitter space. So we were all, and it was really early adopting like content marketing stuff. So there was a lot of big loud voices, mostly males saying this, this, and this. And I was, I just started to say, well, this isn't, this doesn't feel right to me. I can't just, people aren't robots. They're not just numbers and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. You were ahead then at that point. I mean. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting now because I mean, I've been having conversations recording these podcasts at the moment and I'm having these conversations about um, our humanity, our empathy, connecting with people. Um, and on the other side, it's data and data for good and how we can use both. And then I remember at that time there was this huge, um, at the time you were speaking about, there's this huge kind of dilemma between quantitative and qualitative marketing yeah. and qualitative was like, pff, you know, kind of, and sure, this is how we connect with people. It is. And it's suddenly like massively on vogue since the, you know, the lockdown, suddenly they're going, this is what we need. We're missing this bit because you can't like, people don't care about you emotionally or just as a human being. It doesn't matter what you're selling or what, if, if they're not emotionally invested, it's irrelevant. They're not going to be financially invested. It's like they suddenly connected the dots. But then, I mean, the other side to that as well was that I really, because I, I was I was learning from all these content marketers or internet marketers and copywriters. And I remember just going, I don't want to use this language. It's really masculine. It's warlike and all this. So I started to research how to communicate better with women. It was a time when uh, women are from Venus, men are from Mars kind of book came out. And I started to research how women's women and men's brains work differently and how that related to like storytelling. And I was coming up with all these ideas, but they just kept falling on deaf ears, you know, like if you tell a story to a woman, there's typically, obviously not all the time, but most of the time, there has to be an emotional kind of up and down. Yeah. With men, it's much more performance related, for example, and it's it's much more men like it to be much more about facts and figures and things like that. Women want like they want an emotional connection. They want to feel that the, the emotional transformation. So how men and women tell stories is totally different, um, typically. Do you think that those lines are being blurred now? Because I have bit. to share with you that some of the client work I'm doing um, with male execs and uh, looking at marketing of companies and stuff that the men are seeking this empathy to cultivate this empathy in themselves now. Yeah, yeah, I do think it's being it's it, it's being blurred, but it's certainly not like women have been conditioned to emotionalize. That's like women are conditioned to emotionally invest in in the world. Men are not conditioned to emotionally invest in the world. So obviously, whatever hat you put on, they're just typically going to be leagues ahead of men and their brains. So like. When men and women communicate, men's brains communicate front to back and women's it's left to right. So they're hemispheres of their brain. So there's two things I want you to talk a little bit more about. Uh, it's so interesting when we have conversations like this, because this is information is often processed in a way that it becomes second nature to us. Yeah, that's So true. I have to stop you because this is <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so this uh, 
women are conditioned to emotionally invest in the world is the first thing I really liked. Yeah. Just let's pause on that and tell me a little bit more about that first. Then tell me about the the next piece of how we process. Now, but first the emotionally invest piece. So we we are we are conditioned to care about people, aren't we? Yeah. So we're conditioned to because of the flip side of both of it. So we're conditioned to invest emotionally invest in everybody else, usually at the expense of ourselves. Yeah. Which comes up with all the other the other issues with women about self worth and self care. But we're conditioned to emotionally invest in everybody else. So that means that our emotional intelligence is far higher than men's typically. Um, whereas men are more conditioned to invest in the performance of themselves. So it's kind of like women are conditioned to we, like we, you know, it's all about we and men, it's all about me. So it's all about men. It's like top dog, you know, hierarchy, you know, they're climbing the ladder. Women, it's a circle. It's a circle. And this starts with our brains because front to back, men are, um, their emotional sense of the brain is much smaller, but like the front part, the part of the brain that, that pr- that's logical and focused is bigger than the women's brain, which is the emotional brain. So when men are doing things, that's why they're so good at like focusing. So women can think and feel at the same time. They go from left to right. Whereas men, it goes front to back. And it, you can liken it to like women's brains are like the internet and men's brains are like a landline because they literally can't think and feel at the same time. Um, there's like data to back this up, whereas women can think and feel. So we can kind of have a conversation with a man talking about emotion and then go, oh, I think this. And they can't process it. Women do this all the time to each other. It's like very sophisticated levels of communication. I mean, there was some data that I remember like women have to have 10,000 words a day and men get away with 2,000. If women don't communicate 10,000 words a day, and they kind of it clogs up their communication lines. Then they, that's when they have to like talk, 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 or rant to one of their friends. Our processing capacity is way more higher and sophisticated than men's. When you tell a story, women want all the details. Want you to go around the re- reeking, and even a woman's like thumbnail sketch or shorter version of a story is way longer than a man. A man just wants you to get to the point. Typically, is mm. always my caveat. And see, there's pros and cons for both sides. There's complete pros and cons. Yeah. There's yeah. total pros and cons for both. Absolutely. Because women could just rant and rant or just talk and talk and talk and not make a point. Whereas men can make a point too soon. And not act. And not act. Yes. Yes. Because then I went into this whole thing about, I've got an idea. I've got ideas debt. My friend talked about this. So then I went to this whole idea about the yin of business and like women, women like saying that, you know, just putting it in clean boxes. Women are like the yin of business and men are like the yang. So men have got the structure or the confidence or the, they're good at facts and figures and metrics and data, whereas women are good at emotional connection, building relationships, um, empathizing, or, uh, you know, having compassion, all those kind of things. You need both. So women need to like yang up a bit and men need to yin up a bit. So it's balancing it. Yes. Because we like both, eh? We want to embrace, you know, much as all the conversation we're having about balance in life, but it's even balancing this part of ourselves, you know? Yeah. Oh, completely and utterly. Because it's like the women, you know, we need to balance, uh, you know, masculine and feminine sides, men and yeah. women, you know? I mean, you must speak to a lot of women as well. And they, you know, 
often they just need to get structure, they need to have clear goals, they need to ban- they need to express and hold their masculine, whereas some of them are too like fannying about and just talking and talking, not getting, look, I know I'm guilty of this, I'm like, well, yeah, okay, you know, whereas some of the men are just have, tr- have problems in communicating how they're feeling, empathising, all these soft skills that women just do typically standing mm. on their heads. I mean, it's... Yeah. Do you think consciousness about this, about our very nature can help us, can be a tool that we can use to help us grow our businesses better? Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how do you think we should see there's a danger often of women tend to find, in my experience, that there are this whole idea of networks that are female led networks and male networks like male business networks were traditionally the golf course and women didn't have those. And then with the Internet, we had Facebook groups, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I'm always afraid of those networks because they're too skewed one direction or the other. And while it's really positive in certain networks and even in like my mastermind last year was all women and I worried for that, but I found that it made women feel safer that they could have that conversation and they wouldn't be shamed like you were shamed. But perhaps if we spoke about that stuff more and embraced both sides of the coin, that uh, importance of more action from a female side, more focus, more you know, all of that kind of direction, quantifiable part of it. And then on the male side, more empathy, more emotional intelligence, that if we kind of left the stuff at the door with openness in those environments, both sides would would perform better, you know? Oh, I know. I mean, I, I do agree. But I mean, I suppose I'm this is this is a a vague masculine side coming out, like the data for women to speak their truth in any area of the world, in any role is so stacked against them that they need these safe spaces. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like, I, I get what you're saying, but I just feel, you know, um, I think women are just so, so, so used to being shamed or undermined by men that they need these safe spaces. But you're right, these safe spaces do need to have sometimes a bit more structure and a bit more kind of um, get them through things. But often it's just... I found particularly in, in um, groups and things that I've been in with other women, they just need that safe space to vent and just process things and then the support comes. But it's often just giving a voice to what's going on. For well, them. the thing, the other thing that I found very curious is I started, you know, we're all Netflixing away. I started looking at um, programs to understand what Sean, what my son, age 12, was facing. And I looked at two pro and also I was having a bit of a break too. <laughs> Let's confess. Um, <laughs> and I watched two things. One was called The Bold Type, which is for millennials. Yeah, I've heard of it. And the yeah. other one, because it's interesting because it was for a magazine like so, you know, it's my light relief, but also mm. is kind of, you know, watching it, just thinking about what lies ahead and all the rest of it. But what shocked me, which with the actresses and with that capturing a moment in time with a, a, a program on TV or on Netflix or whatever, was that what was being discussed about women's voice, women's truth was what we faced 20, 30, 50, 60 years ago. It's the same stuff. 
And that kind of shocked me that millennials, millennial women are still struggling against that whole patriarchy uh, phenomenon, that they're still struggling with expressing their own truth. There was also another silly 12 year old TV program that I watched after that. And there was, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was the head, the head guy of the football team, American, right? Uh, Competing with the head of the soccer team, girl. And uh, they raised this story of the guy getting on the school radio system just before the vote was going to go in for him to win, for them to win a scholarship of 10 grand or something. And all the girls were outraged. How could he get on? That's not fair. Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? This is like, you know, teenagers. Okay. And the girl who was incensed about this went into the female principal and said, why, why, why? And the principal said, you never asked. And I'm like, really? We're still watching TV programs with this stuff. We're still not asking. Yeah, because it has to go from you just think about like um, it's got to go. It's 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 so a default, isn't it? It's a default of like two thousand years conditioning. The default to the man being right. Mm. It's it's a default. It's such a subconscious default about programming and conditioning that's in everything. You know, education, society, culture, family. It's it's kind of so. It will take a while for these things to unravel and balance. It just unless you're Swedish. I mean. The Scandinavians have got this sorted a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me how that impacts your work, because you work a lot with women. I do, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's I found that um it's easier for me to communicate with women and work with them. And because when I work with like in PR management, it because somebody was like, Well, aren't men a lot more straightforward? I'm like, well, they are a lot more straightforward. But in my experience, when I've tried to work with them in a PR capacity, they haven't been as able to receive my guidance. So I don't find it an, a comfortable process. So I'm not doing yeah, it. But <laughs> I like, like that. I, I, you know, it's, that's basically it. It's like they're hiring me to do a job, but then and they're kind of undermining me in what I suggest because how I work is quite intuitive. It's not, it's not in a normal way with other PRs perhaps do. So they might think it doesn't make any logical sense. Yeah, I do get the results. So it's not about that. So you need to trust me. So I, that's why I, I work with women in that capacity. See, what I, when I first came across you, Carrie, I liked this combination of this intuition, but also you were very pragmatic in the advice you gave. You, you prepped. We had a conversation. I was kind of exploring, get, doing some PR at the time. And you were very straight and very logical of uh, when you're ready to do this, this and this finola, then we're ready to do that. And I really, I found it so uh, supportive and uh, freeing to get the hard facts, you know, to. So, I mean, it's not that you're skewed one way. I think you have this very interesting balance between both. Oh, that's kind. Thank you. That's very nice. I don't see it much because I'm I'm so in like I'm like you know my superpower is yeah is is reading people's hearts really. So I don't really think about the other side. But that's very kind. Thank you. How do you read people's hearts? Well, um, because what I what um when I started to do on my after the content without connection like tea without cake, 
I developed this process called the connection recipe. It's literally, I work with people one-to-one and we work out how their heart needs to communicate. So we, we, we um, come up with this connection recipe, which is literally how you can put your heart on a page and put your heart into your content. Because, mm. you know, like I said, when people um, emotionally invest, then because the problem with a lot of content, it goes over people's head and people's heads are rammed. So if you create content that emotionally connects, then it goes to their hearts, bypasses the brain, goes into the heart. And they start to emotionally invest. They start to care about your content. They start to go, oh, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm going to read it. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to comment. When they feel emotionally invested in it, then when you have something to bring along or you're offering, they're more likely to financially invest. So take a moment. Take a moment. Very interesting uh, way of thinking about this because a lot of language around marketing is about how to rise above the noise. And I like how you've made this yeah. connection that you don't you don't talk louder, you don't talk higher, you don't flood it with lots of stuff. You actually bypass the brain, you boy bypass the noise, and cut straight yeah. to heart. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. That's a great way to explain it. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, when I came up with the idea, like I said, it did fall on deaf ears, and I probably didn't have the confidence at the time to acknowledge it, but then. It was about two or three years ago, I went to, um, I thought I was going to Brighton, but it's actually Bournemouth, which is the whole funny thing. So I booked a ticket to go to Brighton. And then I was like, oh, it's Bournemouth to get, see this wonderful guy called Mark Schaefer. Yes. And I only went to He's fantastic. Him. I love Sorry. Mark. He's wonderful. Oh my God. I love them. And I, I just wanted to hear him speak about his latest yeah. book at the time. And it was, it's still a joy, the memory now, but, but I told him about it and he was like, Carrie, that's brilliant. And he was so encouraging. Do you know, he couldn't have been a better speaker. I would have, you know, I would have paid even more to go and see. It didn't cost me much to actually attend the event. I mean, it was more in train travel, but I was just like, I was, he was just awesome. He was probably one of the best speakers I've ever heard. And the way he explained things and he was very grounded and humble and empathetic to everybody. I mean, he was just wonderful. You know, I, I was quite blown away by how wonderful he was. And I told him about my idea and he's like, no, that's really good. So he kind of encouraged me to bring it out to play because I'd kind of hidden it in the shadows. Yeah, but it's what it's what a lot of entrepreneurs do. This is why when I speak, when I'm working with clients or speaking about this stuff, I always say there's three core challenges that every business faces. And the first one is identity. And until you step fully and more in a very present sense into who you are and your truth. It's, I always talk about your truth told. Then, then things open. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, my blonde spot was, is that because I couldn't see myself in other people, I suppose I sort of dismissed that. So then I was looking for, for quite a long time, I was looking for answers from other people when really it's, it's about trusting who you are and, you know, speaking your truth. But if, you know, when I was speaking it, it wasn't landing in the way that I expected. So it wasn't generating business. So then I was looking for answers. But if I'd have gone back and just really stood in and honoured it and valued it, I think it would have been a different story. But um, because I think for me, it was so much of it was just like I couldn't see anybody doing anything similar. or And so I kind of was like, oh, I don't want to be a lone wolf. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now I don't care. I'm, I'm just kind of like, well, I'm, I'm actually just going to do it and the right people, I trust that the right people will show up. It requires, it requires bravery. 
it requires a lot of bravery. Yeah, definitely it does. And I see this a lot. I see people testing the waters of going light on an idea, like, you know, light on their heart, light on their passion because they don't see anyone else doing it. So you that's you have evidence of that now as well, because when you go light on it, if you don't go all in, it's it's even harkens to that idea of fail fast so you can move on to the next one to actually. But actually, you don't fail if you absolutely step into your truth. Like if we work off the basis that every one of us is unique, then we have to be us. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. What would you say to your younger self? That lovely question. I think I would have just said to just just give it a whirl, you know, don't just just do it. Just see what happens. If you fall on your derriere, you fall on your derriere, just keep going, you know, don't just kind of listen, listen and honor your voice within and just follow your ideas. You know, don't seek approval, kind of approve of yourself, really. We have to do that. And I've had conversations already this week of recognizing our own brilliance. And it seems to be this consistent theme with everybody. So how can people learn more about you, Carrie? They could they could um, go to theblompreneur.com. I love it. Or they can find me on Twitter at Blompreneur, uh, where I'm usually hanging out some, at some point in the day. <laughs> and what are you doing now? Because you've moved from PR and you've expanded into content. Well, I'm just... Yeah, so for, to be honest, I am um, revisiting my roots of content um, because I, I do enjoy it. It's just that I kind of lost my way a bit and I lost heart and I started to really just jump on because I was all, always used to do a bit of PR, but in 2017 I did loads because I was working with these mentors and it did help me to get regular income in and I can do PR, but it's exhausting. Hmm. So I've had this blonde pivot going on a bit, maybe quite a long time. And so gradually I'm coming out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just it. going back to my blonde roots. So I'm going to be doing, um, it, it feels I've wanted to do it for a long time. So I'm going to bring in like characterizations of female entrepreneurs that I, I kind of know. So there's like Doubting Debbie. So Doubting Debbie is going to um, be one of my characters. I'm going to bring in some of these courses. I've got like Nina the Narcissist. So mm. I'm going to, um, they're going to like take over my courses and my, um, probably some of my content. And so, like, for example, the course I've been playing around with that, how to become the go-to expert in the media using Twitter. Mm. Because I've done lots of things. I've had lots of clients headhunted by the media using Twitter. Mm. And um, so I'm going to have, like, Nina the Narcissist and Debbie, Doubting Debbie present it because I know loads of – Loads of people who are like doubting, loads of women who are doubting Debbie are like, well, let me just get another book or another testimonial and I'll be okay. And so kind of going through that psychology. But then I, I equally know a lot of female entrepreneurs who really perhaps aren't the best person for the job or to be the best person in the media. It's just that they're just shouting the loudest. They're just literally putting their selves in the ring. I love and- it. And they think they're the best. And actually, most of the time, they're probably not. So so I'm. that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm just... And that that brings me joy because also I'm gonna I'm gonna bring out like some like Nina the Narcissist mugs because doubting <laughs> Debbie needs need to channel the Nina the Narcissist and then Nina the Narcissist needs to be a bit more doubting Debbie you know there's there's, there's I like love it. the astrologer Lazy Lucy there's quite a few <laughs> rebellious Rita um, you know and I just I'm gonna like go into the whole because I had a drama coach last year an acting coach rather 
and I'm going to I'm going to work with her and we're going to develop all these rocks. It just for me, it'll be entertaining as well. And for other people, it'll just be very funny. And we need more creativity. I love that that's your solution. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm, I'm just gradually building up the courage to do it. Um, and like even all my other ideas I talked about, you know, like the inner business or the um, connection recipe, I'm going to bring in the characters. To help you do that. So they'll, they'll be like, yeah, because it would just be more fun. It's just a bit boring, a lot of stuff at the moment. Oh, I love gonna... it. I love it. We need that. We need more fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, mm. thank you for having me. I'm really honoured and it's been <laughs> fascinating. I always love talking to you, Fernanda. It's, it's <laughs> always wonderful. It's always very oh. fascinating. We're always like, oh, so like a really wonderful synergy that comes out in our conversations, yeah. isn't there? So I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And we shall talk to you soon. Oh, thank you as well. I'm very grateful. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Carrie, check out her website at theblondepreneur.com, which is spelled T-H-E-B-L-O-N-D-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com and her social media accounts of the same name. And if you'd be so kind to share this episode with someone you know who would find it valuable, I would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to reach out to me about the podcast or anything else, email me at ask at fanolahoward.com. And I'll be back next week with another guest. And until then, take care.